Hey, it is the weekend, and I know there's not supposed to be a uh, episode of Edgard today, but I have a very special bonus show for you. I am here with my friend Roderick Magsino, and am I pronouncing your name correctly? I feel like I've never actually said your last name out loud. Uh, yeah, no, you're saying it perfectly. Oh, got it in one. <laughs> Good job. As I'm sure you've heard me spouting off all this week, Roderick has a brand new role-playing game out, and uh, I just wanted to get a chance to talk to him about it. So to, to start off, Roderick, can you introduce yourself and uh, maybe introduce Alewood Games? My name is Roderick Maxino, and around 2015, I started Alewood Games, which is my ga- indie game publishing company. Um, so far, we only have two titles, which is the flagship game, Alewood, which is a Wild West uh, role-playing drinking game where players will be... <laughs> Uh, fighting each other in order to gain the highest bounty and using their pint glass as a measure for their pistol. So you can mitigate how fast or how slow you are depending how much or how little you drink. It's supposed to be a very inclusive drinking game so that anyone who wants to play um, can play there with their own style or if they have to, if they have work in the morning, they can still play and uh, <laughs> you know, be reasonable. Fair. Um, and, okay, and so you, when did you publish Elwood? So it was officially funded in 2018, and then it hit the market uh, two years later. Okay, because right? it cool. was a year of uh, it was a year of finishing up and a year of manufacturing, and then when I had all the product in hand and I was ready to start doing my convention tour, uh, that's when the pandemic hit. Right on oh, 2020. Perfect. So perfect. <laughs> I was like, I got everything all lined up, ready to go. I did C2E2, and immediately after that, everything shut down. I was like, well, Ugh. I guess I'm just going to hold on to this stock for a while. <laughs> Do you still have a, a boxes and boxes of Aylwood in your home? Uh, I did, uh, but I recently um, connected with Fun Again Distribution when I oh, was cool. at uh, Origins last mm-hmm. year and uh they're a really great distribution company that focuses on really tiny small companies so instead of asking for like 2000 units right up front what they'll do is like they'll ask you about your game ask you how many units you have left and then they'll spend six months soliciting to all of their buyers that they know mm-hmm. and then they'll come back to you with pre-orders and then they'll come back to you it's like okay we have this many pre-orders can you send us that many and then that way you're not it works for everybody. You know? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, cool. So I, they were able to they were able to take a, a good chunk of my stock off my hands, which is which was awesome. Is this the first time you've uh, put something on Kickstarter? No, this is the third time. Well, okay, I, I just I'm very curious about the entire experience of uh, using Kickstarter. It's te- I mean, other than a, I've been a you know purchaser yeah. for years. I guess it's technically my fifth project okay because two of them failed <laughs> ah, <laughs> which is what ah, happens when you when you kickstart things there's sometimes uh sometimes they don't they don't succeed but those those failures were actually huge lessons you know i learned mm-hmm. a lot from the the projects that had failed in fact well what were they well alewood actually launched in 2015 um, oh wow and uh didn't make its funding goal and then so from 2015 for about three years, uh, what I did was take apart not just the campaign. I took apart the game because it was my f- mm. first design ever. I redesigned it from the ground up to appeal to, to, to answer all of the things that people were bringing up uh, that were issues 
in the first in the first draft. So I revised it, and then once the game was tested and revised, then I started creating the campaign. Then I started doing conventions and playing demos and just doing the whole marketing thing, which took like six months just on its own before I even launched it. And then I finally launched it a second time in 2018, and not only did it fund, but we were able uh, we were able to unlock a whole bunch of stretch goals and went way mm-hmm. above our target goal. So, yeah, if we if I didn't bomb that first one, I wouldn't have learned. I wouldn't have made a better game. Actually, what was the the second failure? The second failure was, um. I think I think it was the very very first project we launched in 2009. So that was oh wow. That was when Kickstarter was brand spanking new. I remember I didn't even hear. Was it called them. Kickstarter? Wasn't wasn't it like Tipping Point or something? Um, I only knew it as like Kickstarter. That? Okay, okay. Yeah. So this is after after all that. Um, I know the original creator uh, Yancey was the one in charge of it and uh, mm-hmm. I remember he was a lot more hands-on back then he would actually write blog posts about certain projects that he found interesting and he wrote one mm. about ours when it was going oh cool and uh, that really boosted uh, a lot of the, the the marketing for it but the the very first one that I launched was supposed to be a funding campaign for uh, my multimedia production studio that I ran with my wife Little Brass Bird which I uh-huh. know you're pretty familiar with yeah, but we wanted to launch funding f- to start creating a web series, and because we were brand new, we set the goal sort of unrealistically high. Sure. And once we saw how the funding, crowdfunding was working, how how uh, it was reacting to how we campaigned it, um, we're like, okay, this goal is way too high, and we're never going to make this. This isn't going to work. So <laughs> sure. we we canceled it midway, and then we we went back to the drawing board. We did some stuff, and then we launched it again with with more precise budgeting. And then, yeah, we made our funding goal, and it like blew up from there. A bunch of people uh, found out about us uh, through the Kickstarter platform. Uh, Yancey and the folks at Kickstarter really liked our project and uh, kind of uh, boosted it themselves and invited us to screen it in New York at the Brooklyn Film Festival. Oh, uh, cool. After it funded. So we were like these, it was really neat. We were like these guests of honor. We like flew out there last minute when they invited us. Um, and because of them, we got to meet like the whole original Kickstarter team, which was just mm-hmm. like 12 people in a New York loft you know, and like one that giant room right. with yeah. a bunch of tables and computers. <laughs> they had one room that just ha- was an old bathroom with no walls. So there was just a broken toilet and tub like in the middle of the room that they would have meetings with. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, uh, we were lucky to be able to find that and get their support on that first project. And then after that was the first Aylwood game, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, the second Elwood game, which funded, and then now Remember Frankie. So yeah, five. All right, perfect. Great segue. Let's uh, let's talk about Remember Frankie. Uh, you just put this. This went up. It'll be earlier this week. Uh, yeah, we're three days in. On yeah, yeah. As we're recording this, we're three days in. Has it funded yet? Uh, we're ninety three percent there. Oh, easy peasy. So so if you're listening to this. Uh, 
go fund Remember Frankie on Kickstarter. But uh, but what is Remember Frankie? So Remember Frankie is a storytelling game where players create a shared history and reminisce about imaginary people using real memories. Um, and the whole idea is that uh, people will playfully twist the facts of their story uh, to create a thematic veil of mystery. And then the other players will be writing um, stylized lyrics um, to those stories to, in order to sort of breathe life to Frankie's persona and uh, emphasize the, the connection that players have to each other. So it's a game, it's a really meta game where you're using your real life experiences and then uh, through the game rules, you're twisting them in a way where everybody knows the story is real, but nobody knows how exactly you're tied to the story. Right. So you can right. you can talk about some pretty personal stuff uh, with complete anonymity because it's about mm-hmm. Frankie and Frankie could be anyone in the story. It could be you, could be your friend. You could play, you can recast your own role as someone else, you know. It's been super fun to play. I know uh, we've played together uh, a few times now. And I am fairly certain we heard about like an actual felony, like grand larceny. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're I, talking I'm about. I'm not going to give any names. I'm not going to give any more details. But one of our friends told this story that was out of this world. I don't, if any part of it is true, something horrible happened. <laughs> yeah. And what's what's so fun about hearing these stories is that, like I said, you have because the part of the game you're recasting all the roles and kind of making up little bits of details here and there uh we knew the story he told us is real but he his actual uh role in that could have been anyone he could have been someone who was like who watched someone do that from a distance you know what i mean or heard about it secondhand sure yeah like we know it happened but we're not (laughs) it's (laughs) there's so much mystery to it and that's what's really intriguing it really what it does is it just builds this funny new way of connecting with your friends yeah right yeah because now you know something but you don't know all the details and it's kind of yeah it kind of rolls around in your head (laughs) It's a little, it's a little therapeutic too. And I've, I've actually talked to my therapist about this with uh, like Dungeons and Dragons. That there is some, there's something you get out of, um, not just the escapism, but being able to, you know, play out fantasies or play out different ways of moving through the world through your character. Uh, and this is so personal that it, it feels one level closer i suppose you know what i mean yeah like uh you're, you're you're able to get this stuff out on the table with no consequences yeah, you can feel... talk about stealing precious artifacts or whatever <laughs> yeah i feel like <laughs> w- role-playing is so great because it really allows people to just project themselves in any way they feel like you know if they really want to yeah. be cathartic and play the the part that they've always wanted to or really unleash a part of them that they've been holding back they can do that in game without any consequences yeah um i don't know i i I made remember frankie specifically because i've had a lot of those experiences where i'd be sitting around the table with friends and we're just having a few drinks and it's quiet we maybe have some music in the background and we're just talking about someone that we hadn't seen in a long time they're not necessarily passed away but just someone we hadn't heard of heard from in like maybe a decade right and like, hey, do you remember when, you know, he did this and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, this one time when like when, when you guys were 
like, oh, we did this. And then all of a sudden, you, even though you hadn't seen the person in 10, 20 years, they feel real and present. Like they become mm-hmm. this thing in your head that is just as tangible as the glass in front of you. And so remember, Frankie is, ex- is kind of an experiment where it's like, hey, what if we did that with someone who didn't exist? Yeah, and then what is it? Yeah. And then, then then it brings up a lot of questions, like if stories and memories uh, make a person real, then what else can we conjure up? You know, right? Can you talk about the? Um, you know, curious about the creative process here. So you are you know sitting around with friends and this. I'm assuming it did not pop fully formed into your head. How how did remember Frankie um, sort of grow from that seed of oh there is there is some something to you know shared memories of a person well the game went through a couple different phases um at that time i was experimenting with a lot of indie rpgs that really were taking role-playing mechanics and flipping them onto their head um that's when i started playing dread and post-human pathways and like all these really weird personal uh narrative games right um so i'm like i want to make something like that something where it's not super stat heavy something where you can just have an emotional tone and play with it for about for a bit um so the first iteration was a pen and paper game uh and it was just super simple where um i don't even remember all the details but i remember it was a sheet of paper between each player and each player would write on it of their relate they would make up some sort of relation to the person next to them using Frankie in between them. So you're mm. like connecting all of yourselves uh, to the person next to you using Frankie. And then you would create this kind of overall idea of who Frankie is. Yeah. Is yeah. Very simple. And then I was pitching it to some of my other game designer friends. And at that time, I think it was like 2015 ish is when I was first playing with the idea is we were really into designing board games at the time when I was making Aylwood and my friend Alex right. was making Giga. And and so we had a very board game capitalist mentality where we're just like, <laughs> well, if you make this game, no one's going to buy it. It's just a sheet of paper. It's just like a, there's no dice or anything. It's we need just, cards. We need cardboard cutouts. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We, we, need dice to make for it, sure. we need to make a thing out of it so that people will actually buy it. Um, so we transformed it into a card game where oh, wow. it was essentially, we based it off a regular card deck as just sort of a primer. So we had like 50 cards with four different suits and each suit was an, uh, an emotional theme. Like one theme would be love and loss. Another theme would be, um, greed and humbleness or whatever or another one would be like fight or flight and then in those categories you would have an assortment of 10 or 13 cards of a phrase uh, within that theme so you would deal cards out to each other uh, depending how many players there were um, and then you look at your hand and you would take turns playing a card of a specific category and phrase and you would tell the story that was related to that so the cards mm-hmm. were dictating your choices of what you're going to talk about. Um, and it was okay, but 
we always had trouble figuring out how to end the game with the card system that we built. So we were trying to like build these mechanics where you're you're using a number system and you're like building to a certain threshold of like who Frankie is. Yeah. Um, I tried doing like a tarot card thing where like they had different images and themes so that depending how you laid the cards down would sort of like you can read or interpret who Frankie is based sure. on how uh-huh. the image is connected. That's interesting. Um, I started, what was it, 2015 I started making this. So like for years I would come back and dabble with it and I would get stuck and I'm like, you know what, screw it. I'm not, I'm leaving. And I would right. just like, it would sit on the table for like another few months or like a year. I'd come back and like, maybe there is something here. And I come <laughs> and I, and it was, I stuck to the card system for a really long time until a recent, the last uh, two, like about two years ago when RPG zines really started to become more regular and prominent. Mm-hmm. And when more and more people got used to seeing uh, and started buying RPG zines, you really got to see um, the creative potential that people can put into it as well. It's not just yeah. a rule book with some images. Like they really started playing with the layout and the design and the book itself became the the piece of art. Right. Yeah. And when I saw that, I'm like, okay, now I know what Frankie needs to be. Right. Like there was It needs to be a zine, a 30, I felt, I felt whatever like page the, zine. Yeah, I felt like the card system was too restricting. Right. Mm-hmm. It had like a very game quote unquote like game component to it, but that's not what Frankie was. And now that I can see, okay, so there is a market for people who just want to tell interesting stories and have an emotional experience and then that's that's it there's no like winning or losing there's no numbers it's just yeah but Roderick experience there's still dice rolling in this game there is <laughs> you can't get that far away from it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like uh, I, it was a suggestion from a few people there were, was originally no dice at all and then yeah people were like giving these suggestions and saying that the the slight randomness really gives it the extra spice that it needs yeah. and then and they were absolutely right um that's how we came up with the emotional table where we have 12 different uh emotional themes that you can you know that's randomized and i think what's really interesting through playtesting is that originally you just talked about whatever you wanted and the idea is that you are shaping this person through your stories communally mm-hmm. Um, but having these randomized emotional themes actually helped a, a majority of the players figure out what they even wanted to talk about. Uh, because I guess my learning experience was less is more. If people are given, you have to make a, a story about love, then it just X's out all this other noise in your head when you're trying to sort right. through your memories and like, you try to try to think of like all these different instances in your life, and it's just a lot faster to come up with an idea when you give more restrictions in that way. When before I was thinking, yeah. I don't want to restrict anyone; those cards restricted too much. But um, yeah, I, I think there was a nice balance. Like the cards were were too much restriction, where people felt kind of um, barricaded within like the five card hand. Yeah, and because they were very specific, right? Where in this game, the emotional themes are broad enough where you have an idea, but you can interpret it in just hundreds of different ways. Right. You know? Right. 
Well, it's a it's a really amazing game, uh, and congratulations. Where can uh, people find you on the internet? So uh, you can find all of the games that I've am working on and have published at alewoodgames.com. That's a l e w o o. Wait, a l e w o o d g a m e s dot com. Uh, <clears throat> there, if you click on um, Remember Frankie, that'll that'll take you right to the Kickstarter page, uh, or you can just go straight to Kickstarter and search Remember Frankie. That's Frankie with an I E and a question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, awesome. This is this has been fantastic. Um, well, thank you so much, Roderick. And uh, again, again, congratulations. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to playing it again. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye.